0: Would you welcome Paris Reagan to MAG Church this morning? Paris, take your liberty and preach to the folks. we good? There we are. I'm a casualty of war here this week, too. (laughs) I am learning the older I get, and I know know I'm not old. but apparently, my body doesn't know that. I was telling someone out in the lobby, um, every time we have a turkey bowl every year, uh, we, we get together and play football with a bunch of people from the church. And um, every time uh, we play football, I'm all time quarterback. <laughs> I've learned. But they like to rush you every now and then. And so I take off, and every year I pull my hamstring. <laughs> every year. And apparently, now I. Tear my calf playing kickball at Mag Church, so it's a new thing, Um, but (laughs) it was fun. We've had a great time with the youth here. Um, Mary Beth, would you stand? I am absolutely zero without her, and uh, grateful for her. We met in Bible college in my first semester. We uh, got engaged in my second semester. We started dating in my second semester. Got engaged in my third semester, and then my fourth semester of Bible college, I couldn't break the pattern, so we just went ahead and got married, and uh, it's been the best decision I've ever made in my life, aside from following Jesus Christ, and uh, without her, it's correct. I would not be who I am today, Um, but I want to thank you, uh, Brother Armstrong, you and your wife. We love you guys so much, and uh, I made her mad last night, so I might have an enemy for life now. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She, uh, she asked me walking out of the church, she's like, so if I kicked you right now, would you, would you be able to hold yourself up? I said, I don't, probably not, so don't try it. Um, but it's been an honor being with you guys. Uh, we always love coming here. The hospitality is unmatched here at Mag Church, and uh, we appreciate every one of you. Uh, why don't you give your pastors a round of applause this morning? God's doing some great things here. And we love Jason and uh, Katrina. We love you guys so much. We're grateful for the friendship um, and uh, the ministry that you guys are doing. Give it up for your youth pastors this morning, too. God's uh, doing a great thing here. And um, just grateful for what God is doing here. And what, what, what worship this morning, huh? Um, just incredible. And they were with us all, week- all weekend. And uh, thank you guys on the worship team. Um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday ain't easy especially after coming out of a revival week. So um, we appreciate you guys um, stepping up with us this weekend. You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. It's good to see Dalton here this morning. I'm hoping you filled out a travel request but uh, glad you're here. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble when I get back. Yeah he was there. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> but no Dalton's um, become a, a great Great student at Jimmy Swagger Bible College. Great things in store for Dalton in the future. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, we're going to begin reading in verse 37. Uh, Verse 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. I'm going to read that again. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, until the day of, that Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware. I think that's such an important phrase. They did not know, as you can see right there on the screen. They were unaware. They weren't paying attention. They were not awake. They were asleep. They might have even been in church every Sunday. Every Wednesday. Every Sunday morning. Every Sunday night. And every revival service. But they were not awake. They were asleep. Until the flood came. They they were believers then. When the flood showed up, they believed then. I would encourage you not to wait until we look to the heavens and see Him coming out of heaven. I encourage you to look to Jesus right now today. Because when you look, when He's coming out of heaven, it's going to be too late. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is truly Lord. The day's coming. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. I want to preach a message to you this morning entitled, The End of All Things. The End of All Things. And if I could add a caveat to that, I would say this, it is upon us. The End of All Things. It is upon us. Pray with me this morning, Heavenly Father. We enter into your courts with praise and into your gates with thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Come on, worship Him. I thank you for your Spirit. <laughs> Lord I thank you for your spirit this morning your presence this morning Lord we thank you that we feel your touch today I pray for the authority and the power to deliver the word that you have given me today And I pray that eyes would be opened. Ears unstopped. And I pray that the veil would be removed from the hearts of Your people. That they would not be taken unaware or caught off guard in the hour in which we live today. Open our eyes to see today. Help me to preach and deliver Your Word. And I pray that You would give to Your people a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your son that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened father we will give you all the honor all the glory and all the praise today and everyone said amen and amen and amen since the presence of God in this house this morning there is nothing greater than his presence come on just for a moment can we worship him Can you just give Him praise this morning? Jesus, You're worthy. Never take the presence of God lightly. Never take the presence of God for granted. Lord, we honor You. Lord, with a great price, we sense Your presence this morning. It was Your blood shed on Calvary's cross that we might have the privilege to experience the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit here today. Father, we honor You for that. And we worship You. Lord, right now, this morning, we declare from our heart, You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Lord, from You are all things. And to You are all things. You deserve the glory tonight. Lord, day and night, night and day, praises will arise from the the temples of our bodies and our lives, Lord. We honor You today. We worship You, Savior. You are worthy of it all. Worthy of it all. Worthy of it all. Praise, honor, glory, power, dominion be to You forever and forever. Worthy. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb of God who was and is and is to come. Lord, we give You all the glory. All the praise. All the honor. All the worship this morning. Father, we love You. Father, we love You. Lord, open our eyes this morning to see. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. For 2,000 years, there were two major countries in the world that we're not currently a nation that within one century, literally about a, a little over a decade of each other, these two nations would come into formation again. In 1932, the nation of Iraq came into existence again where we know and believe today that the Babylon of Revelation chapter 18 will find its headquarter. The, the, uh, the, uh, the capital of the Antichrist kingdom will work out of modern Babylon which will be in the country of Iraq. That nation came into existence again after 2,000 years in 1932. And then at the end of World War, tw- World War II, after the incredible uh, atrocity, uh, the, the incredible hatred that was poured out upon the Jewish people. World War II might have been driven by Adolf Hitler by power and a desire uh, to rule the world, but in reality, he was driven by the spirit of the Antichrist seeking to annihilate and destroy the people of Israel. Can I say something to you this morning that I believe is important for the United States of America, the Church of America, to understand? Israel is not innocent. And Israel, and and let me encourage you, the peace that you need to be praying about for the nation of Israel is not necessarily uh, horizontally, it's vertically. See, Israel will not know peace horizontally. Until she knows peace vertically. I do mourn and weep for the nation of Israel, but my heart cries out for them that they would make things right with God. And that day is coming. But in 1948, most of the major players in the world decided that it was correct. It was right. It was the right thing to do for Israel to be given at least a portion of the land that she believes is hers back to her. And once again, in one century, within a little over a decade of each other, the two nations of the world that needed to come into existence, for the end of all things, came into existence. I need you to think about that this morning. And if as we look through Um, the uh, eschatological passages of Scripture, the end of all things, the end times passages of Scripture, a few things that you and I begin to learn about is the rise of a revived or a revised version of the old Roman Empire. The divisions and the revelations of Daniel chapter two and Daniel chapter seven, where you see the statue in Daniel two, the uh, the gold head being the Babylonian Empire that took over the nation of Israel, and then uh, the um, uh, Persian Empire, not Persian, it is Persian, uh, the Persian Empire, the Medo Persian Empire that would take over after Babylon, and then the Grecian. Uh, nation that would take over after the Persian Empire, and then finally we see that we get down to the bottom where we find these uh, these awful images of iron, but then iron mixed with clay of the Roman Empire, and it breaks off into ten toes that are mixed with iron and clay. At the breakdown of the Roman Empire towards the end of its reign and rule in the earth, it broke into ten different empires, ten different nations divided in two sections. Two feet, ten toes. And that's what you and I got. And we know as Daniel is talking about this that there is going to be some type of revived, revised Roman Empire, a ten league nation. And then you fast forward to Daniel chapter seven and you get the images of the, of the different animals and beasts. And then you finally get the image of this one final beast that will rule the world. See, that statue comes to an end once there's a rock carved out of a mountain. Carved out of a mountain without hands. Some type of supernatural rock. And then when this rock comes crashing to the earth, it will annihilate the statue. The empires of the world will be defeated once and for all. And then that rock will fill the earth. It will become a mountain. And it will fill the whole earth. Meaning, that there's a day where God's going to come and He's going to bring an end to all things. And we start learning about this revived, revised Roman Empire. But then we also learn from Ezekiel 38 and 39 of this anti-Israel coalition that will begin to come together. A confederation of nations that will begin to come together. And Ezekiel 38 teaches us that out of Russia... The pastor's already talked about it this morning. There will come a, a, a major figure from the north Allied with an Iranian country, together with Turkey and many other nations. Can I tell you something this morning? The coalition has formed. And before I go into any more detail there, let me let me throw this in here. What we're hearing about the country of Hamas, or the the terrorist organization of Hamas, which is aligned with the country of Iran and people like Al-Qaeda and ISIS, um, the Iranian country, they are all driven by a, a theology. Did you know that? The reason that Hamas and Iran and Al-Qaeda and ISIS want to destroy the nation of Israel, the reason why, watch this, they want to destroy the nation of America, is because they're driven by an apocalyptic eschatology. They have an end time mindset That they are the group of people in the end times and it is driving them. They're driven by this concept jihad will bring in the end of all things. (coughs) Jihad will bring in our 12th Imam their messianic figure. I want you to think about that for a minute. What's driving what we're seeing taking place? in Israel right now what is behind people going into the nation of Israel slaughtering children and families and civilians beheading infants do you hear me how can we sit by Idol today I don't understand it beheading infants burning children alive I know it's hard but we need to wake up what is it inside of these people that makes them think that this is okay and this is what they should do it's because they're driven by a theology they're driven by an idea about God who they believe God is And they're so passionate and I'm not trying to exalt them, but I hope this wakes us up this morning. They're so passionate about who they think God is and how they think God has taught them to live, that they are willing to kill anybody and everybody at the sake of giving their own lives so that they can bring in the end time kingdom. Driven by jihad. Driven by apocalyptic eschatology. That if we can kill as many of the Jews and the Christians. If we can kill as many of the Jews and the Christians and establish an Islamic kingdom, then our 12th Imam, our Messianic figure, will come. This is what they believe. And they're driven by it. Some of you are disgusted by them, as you should be. You know, I just described the Apostle Paul. I just described Paul. I believe out of this mess that there are going to be some Hamas terrorists that give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, that might irritate some of you, but it thrills me. Because God is that good. But I want you to see what's driving them. I want you to see what's pushing them. I want you to see today what it is that is empowering them. What is driving them to do the things that they are doing today. It is an idea that God is telling them to do this so that in the end, their imam will return, their messianic figure will come back. The U.S. and Russia banned sales of weaponry and uh, different things to the nation of Iran. But when Putin came into power, he decided that that wasn't a deal that he had made. And today, he is selling hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars every single year of weapons to the nation of Iran. And Iran is doing everything that she can to gain an alliance with Russia and gain an alliance with Turkey, so that she can. This is her goal. This is what she wants. She wants a nuclear holocaust. Some of y'all have heard the fuss and the uh, the conversations going on in the news about Iran getting nuclear weaponry, uh, and you think, "Well, what's the big deal?" It's a big deal. You see, because Iran is driven by jihad, it would not be a difficult thing for her to push a nuclear button. Because even if the response is that she uh, receives nuclear bombs dropped on her head, that doesn't matter to them. They believe they're going to paradise. The most dangerous thing that could happen in in today's world is that Iran would get her hands on nuclear weapons. Not just a threat to Israel, but a threat to me and you. A threat to America, a threat to the world. And then Turkey, a once Western ideological nation governed by democracy uh, and driven by the West a nation that loved freedom, a nation that loved Western ideology and ways of thinking and ways of living, was been conquered in 2019 by a man who hid himself and lied and covered up who he really was, but he's actually an Islamic radical who's in love with jihad. And Turkey has the largest military in all of Europe. Did you know that this Gog, Magog, Confederation of Russia and Iran (coughs) appealing to China? Appealing to North Korea, you heard what he said when he walked up here? Russia and Iran in talks with. North Korea. I hope you're seeing it this morning it's all coming together everything that we're taught to look for in scripture in the end of all things today it is all coming together let me say it this way we are here how could we sit by and live like we're not living in the days of Noah how could we sit by and keep going about life as if though we're not living in the days of Noah drinking eating feasting celebrating giving in marriage the idea there is that we're just moving along like nothing's going on. Can I take you back and show you what the days of Noah really looked like? Can we look at that for a moment? Genesis 6, 1-4 When man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, his days shall be... 120 years the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward and when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them they were the mighty men who were of old of the men of renown verse 5 and God said the wickedness of man it was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of their heart were evil continually the earth also was corrupt before God the earth was filled with violence one of the characteristics of the days of Noah is sexual immorality at its height it had gotten so bad that fallen angels were sleeping with women of the earth that's how disgusting the heart of men and women in the days of Noah had become. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know a whole lot about the rise of the New Age uh, religion in the world today, but it's invaded the church of the living God. And part of their ideology and their theology is sexual interactions with spirits. It's the fastest growing religion in America. Are y'all hearing me? When He comes back, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Today we've got young ladies looking in the mirror, confused about what they see. Young men staring in the mirror, confused about what they see. And then we've got a generation, you hear me, before them, telling them that it's okay To not see what you're really seeing in the mirror. And we go along as if we're not living in the days of Noah. I think my calf got healed. We move along as if though what's happening isn't really happening. We go along about life as if though the sexual immorality that's driving our world today isn't really happening, but it's happening. We go along like we're not living in the days of Noah. Sexual sexual immorality in the world. So bad in Lot's day, that when the angels of God came to Sodom and Gomorrah to evaluate the city through the appeal of Abraham that there might be ten righteous people in that city. And what those angels were met with were men who wanted to commit unspeakable acts with angels from God. I want you to hear me today it's time to wake up it's time to stop acting like we're not living in the days of Noah because I'm here to tell you today we're not fighting it in the world anymore ladies and gentlemen we're fighting it in the church we're ordaining homosexuals ordaining transsexuals ordaining pansexuals ordaining The skillet sexuals, I don't. We're putting them in pulpits and we're living like we're not living in the days of Noah. Are we awake? Do we see the days in which. This is hard, brother. Yeah, it's hard because it's real, it's the days in which we're living. Sexual immorality today at its height, its peak of disgust and degradation, we have uh, groups in the United States of America. I want you to hear this today. Groups in the United States of America, associations, organizations trying to appeal to our legal system to take it easy on People who commit atrocities to children. And we keep going along like we're not living in the days of Noah. We're living in the days of Noah. Thoughts in the heart of humanity are upon evil today continually. It's the world in which we live. Hamas, violence. Listen, let's go back up. The earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Hamas is a Palestinian acronym for the Islamic resistance movement. As I have already shared with you this morning, it is the driving theology uh, and desire of Iran. It is a driving uh, theology and eschatology that's driving um, Hamas and ISIS and Al-Qaeda. This idea that jihad is going to bring in the end times and usher in their messianic figure. Iran, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, they're all driven by the same ideology. Turkey as well. And they're now partnered together with one of the leading figures in the nuclear arms race, Russia. do you think about it? The world in which we live. It's a political acronym for the Islamic resistance movement. It's an Arabic word that means zeal an arabic word that means zeal and i would say that that describes them to a t they are zealous zealous in what they believe but it's also a hebrew word in the bible hamas is the hebrew word in uh genesis chapter 6 and verse 11 describing violence Meaning violent or evil. It's used in Isaiah as the word possessed. And it indicates the idea here in Genesis 6 and 11 that the whole world was possessed by Hamas. Controlled, dominated, directed by violence. I want you to look around the world today, and I want you to look into the major cities of the United States of America, the major cities around the world, and I want you to look at all of the people around the world who are standing up today in support of the Palestinian terrorists who are killing children and innocent civilians in the nation of Israel. Hamas is not only in Iran. It is not only in Iraq. It is not only in Turkey. It is not only in ISIS and Al Qaeda, but it is also in the United States of America It is in the nations of Europe. It is in China. It is in South America. The people are filled with violence. And this specific violence, it's a clearly directed kind of violence. The violence isn't really against humanity. Although that's how you and I see it carried out. But the violence is really against God. The desire of Hamas is to eliminate the children of Israel, to eliminate Christians, to take back the land God promised Israel, and to redefine for the world who God is. It's not just violence against humanity. It is violence against God. And we're living like we're not living in the days of Noah. Hamas is a spiritual condition. It is anti-Christ. it is against the christ if you really want to understand the days we're living in <laughs> United States of America officially in the year of 2010 became a non-christian country under 50% of its population said that they were a christian first time in the entire existence of our nation that that were ever true. It had been going on a long time before that. But today, you're lucky to find a Christian in a pulpit. You're lucky to find people in the pulpit that believe in the Word of God. You're lucky to find people in the pulpit that are willing to take a stand against the evils of our day. You're lucky to find a man in a pulpit today who is truly a born-again child of the living God. You cannot be a saved person and not believe every jot, every tittle, every comma, every period in the Word of God. And we're living. Like we're not living in the days of Noah. God, open our eyes, let us see. The spirit of Hamas, the hatred of God, fills every nation. It's filling the whole earth, and it's filling the church today we are living in the days of noah for as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day when noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away so will be the coming of the son of man Jesus describes a group of people in Noah's day that just didn't have a thought, care, or concern in the world about God. Didn't have a thought, care, or concern in the world about anything that might be coming from God. And in the day that Noah finally walked into the ark, the day that the flood came, That's the only day that they finally found themselves attuned to God again. There's a day coming in Colossians. The Bible says that Jesus Christ will reconcile all things unto himself. And there are people in the church today who claim that that means that Jesus is going to save everybody, even the devil and his demons are going to make it into heaven. Here's the reality. Jesus will reconcile all things unto himself. He's reconciled us. We are born again people. At least I hope we are today. We've been reconciled to God now. We're children of the living God today. Thank God for that. We've been reconciled to the Lord. He will reconcile this earth to him. It will no longer act out against people. It will no longer act out against God. It will work in harmony and in unity with us and with God again. He will reconcile this whole world to Himself. And He will reconcile the unrighteous to Himself. But not for the purpose of offering them salvation. He will reconcile them to Himself. They will bow down. And they will confess that He is Lord. But they will do that to their eternal punishment forever and forever. Jesus Christ talked more about hell than He talked about heaven. You and I need to wake up, and we need to get things in order, because we're living in the days of Noah. And it's time to get it right. It's time to stop focusing on ourselves, and start giving ourselves to Him. Again, it's one thing to come in here and sing, Lord, I lay myself down on your altar. It's a whole other thing to actually lay that body down on his altar. But this is the only worship that he he accepts. I don't believe that. Romans chapter 12. It's the only worship he accepts. I don't care if you believe it or not, it's the word of God. This is the only life he accepts. The one laid out on his altar. Not one that just shows up on Sunday and Wednesday and says, oh, bless me now, dear Savior. I don't mean that unkind, because I know that you and I have struggles of life. We go through suffering. We go through trauma. We go through difficulties of life. And we need an encouraging word from the Lord. But I'm here to tell you today, I cannot be quiet when I know that we're not paying attention to the days we're living in. They were distant, cold. They were asleep. They were living in the midst of perversion, disgust. In a world that was anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-holiness, anti-righteousness, and they were comfortable there. Lot might have been living in Sodom and Gomorrah, but he wasn't comfortable there. Peter told us, that His righteous spirit was vexed day and night by the condition in the world that He was living in. Are you vexed? Are you vexed for your children? Are you vexed for your city? Are you vexed for the church world we live in today? Are you vexed? by the condition of the people of your state and your nation? Are you vexed for the condition of the world in which you live today? Or are you okay with it? Are you comfortable in it? Are you at peace with it? You cannot be at peace with what God is at war with. if God's fighting against it I'm fighting against it if God is at peace with it praise God I'm at peace with it but if we're in war and I promise you we're at war today then I'm at war fighting for the people in the church fighting for the people of God. John the Baptist wasn't sent to Antioch, Syria. He wasn't sent to Ephesus or Colossae or Rome. No, John the Baptist was called to the people who had the covenants. John the Baptist was called to the quote-unquote children of Abraham. John the Baptist was called to the people that should have known better, but they were living like they weren't living in the days of Noah. Comfortable with the unrighteousness that fills the world. They didn't see the handwriting on the wall. Do we see the handwriting on the wall today? They had no urgency in their spirit to get in to these altars and intercede fervently. What happened to fervent intercession that I've been told about in the church? I was born again in the year 2013, and I've only heard rumors of how the church used to pray. You hear me? I've only been told stories about how they'd come together day and night and seek the face of God. At some point, we've grown comfortable and okay with the world in which we live. How? When we're living in the days of Noah. How could we live that way when everything the Bible tells us to look out for is happening right now? Floods and storms and national, natural disasters that don't happen for 500 to 1,000 years occurring one after another. Wars. Rumors of wars. Natural disasters. An apostate church. How much more do I need to say? A world comfortable. A church comfortable with sin. How much do we need to say How can we keep on moving like we're not living in the days of Noah? But. Always a but. But in the days of Noah, there was somebody with an ear that was attuned to heaven. Thank God that in the days of Noah, there was a man whose ear was fixed towards heaven whose eyes were fixed above whose heart was given to a world above and that man heard a word from God that man heard a word from God Joel told us that with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would come a necessity for priests and prophets and religious leaders to step into the gap and weep between the porch and the altar. Every single strike of a hammer to a nail or a wood peg or whatever the man used to put that ark together, that was another tear drop from the heart of God to the world to pay attention about what is coming. Every time he struck a nail again, it was another prophetic message to the world in which he was living. We are living in a time where God is preparing to pour His wrath out on the world. Every tree that fell in the days of Noah, Was another sound going out that there is a day of judgment coming, get your house in order, get your life in order and you be around that ark when it's time to get inside. Today we need pastors who have an ear fixed to heaven. And I'm hearing it more and more. It's like I can see the Apostle Paul in, uh, with the leaders of Ephesus. In Acts chapter 20, as he was talking to them, saying, I did not stop. Yes. Every night and every day, I appealed to you with fervent preaching and with many tears. I appealed to you. I warned you. I told you what was coming. And the more I listen to men around this country I'm hearing, I'm hearing the striking of the hammer building the ark. I'm hearing it in North Carolina. I'm hearing it in New York. I'm hearing it in Orange, Texas. I'm hearing it in Baton Rouge. We are living in the days of Noah. It's time to get your house in order. Do you hear it? And I'm glad to know that there are pastors who aren't acting like everybody else, arguing about whether or not we should keep feast days, arguing or not about whether or not it's pre trib or post trib or do we still need the gifts or just the church going on like nothing's going on. Y'all hear me? Having foolish debates and arguments like we're not living in the days of Noah. I'm glad to know that there are some pastors whose heart, mind, ear, eyes are fixed towards heaven who are standing on the watchtower waiting to hear a word from the Lord. But I know today that we're going to need men in the home to stand up And not just have, we don't just need preachers today. We need moms and dads standing on the watchtowers of their homes with their eyes and their ears and their hearts and their minds fixed towards heaven. We need political leaders today. (laughs) Please God. With their hearts and their minds and their ears and their eyes fixed towards heaven, waiting to hear a word from the Lord. We need school teachers. We need high school students. You don't get a pass? Let me say this. We tell our high schoolers, we tell five-year-olds that they can make the most important decision of their lives about whether or not to live for Jesus. But then we tell them to just have fun. Scary thing to do, isn't it? See we're not just responsible for leading our children to Christ, we're responsible for discipling them to live for Christ. And I can assure you mom and dad of one thing. You can say all you want. But if your life doesn't declare the message it is that you're speaking to your children, they will not follow you. Because I'm watching it. I'm a youth pastor. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not some fool. I'm not some guy who's blind and ignorant who's not paying attention to the things that are happening. I know which kids in my youth group are sold out. I know which kids are fighting. And I know which kids don't want anything to do with him. I know! and I also know the messages that they get in their homes. It's mixed. It's divided. It's it's the right thing from the mouth, but the wrong thing from the life. That's disorienting. That's confusing. That'll leave you troubled and unclear. And unsure of how to live. Mom and dad, you can't just talk it. You've got to live it. And I'm not talking about American Christianity. I'm talking about Bible Christianity. And again, I I do not mean this unkind. We're living in the days of Noah. wake up thank God that there are some whose eyes are opened whose mind is fixed and they're striking that hammer they're filling the trees and they're striking the hammer we need more we need more to step up in this day and in this hour if it's in a prayer meeting, come and pray. I'm not talking about come and tell God the things you need. I'm talking about come and cry out to God for your family, for your church, for your city, for your state, for your nation. I'm talking about fervent prayer. I'm talking about weeping between the porch and the altar. So what do we do? Romans 13, 11, Singers and musicians come back. And that, knowing the time. Have you heard me this morning? Do you know the time? Do you know the time? Do you understand the hour? Is your ear open? Eyes open? Heart open? Are you aware of the hour in which we live? Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake from your sleep. Rome was doing good. Church in Rome, their faith had gone out into all the world. They were building a church. Church. They were doing good. But yet in Rome, there were people inside that church asleep. Knowing the time, right now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For right now, this was 2,000 years ago, your salvation is nearer than when we believed. And I've just described to you something that didn't exist in Paul's time. I've just described to you all of the end time prophecies coming true. They're coming true. Political, militaristic alignments coming together just as the Bible says that they would. Do you know the time Today, your salvation is closer than when you first believed. The night is far spent. The day, it is at hand. Well, what do we do? Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Walk honestly as one in the day, not rioting, not in drunkenness. And look, you can get drunk on just about anything. Not just alcohol. Not just drugs. There's plenty of intoxicating foolishness in the church today. You can get drunk on a lot of foolishness. Not in chambering or in wantonness. Not in strife or in envying. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. No, make no provision at all for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Jesus said we must work while it is day, for the night is coming where no man can work. In my Johannine literature class, there is a poem, and I don't have it before me, so I'm gonna have to try to recall part of it from memory. So if you look it up later, don't hold me to it. Only one life, will soon be passed, only what's done, for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. And when I stand before His judgment seat, how happy I'll be to say that the lamp of my life was burnt out for Thee. There's only one life. Roughly 70 years for all of us. Only one. Here today and gone tomorrow. Life is like a vapor in the wind. Like the grass that withers away and dies. Right now, to some of you, life might look like it'll go on forever, but I'm here to tell you, it moves by pretty quick. Some of you in here know that a little bit better than me, but I'm starting to learn the lesson myself. And <laughs> I can't waste another day. I can't waste, I wasted 21 years, I can't waste another day, not when I look at the world in which we live, not when I look at the prophecies being fulfilled, not when I hear from heaven warn them, the day is at hand, I can't waste another day, stand to your feet. We can't waste another day. What do I do? What do we do? Throw off. Lay aside every weight and every sin that's besetting you. Lay it down. Look, some things that are weights aren't apparently sinful. Lay them down. Whatever you've got on your life right now that's causing you to not run as hard and as fast and as in clear of a direction for the Lord, whatever's in your life right now today, lay it down! And those things that are obvious, that sin in your heart, lay it down. You don't have time to run with that weight on your life. I've never felt a greater sense of urgency in my life. You don't have time to run with that weight weighing you down. You won't make it. You won't make it. Hear me. If you don't put it down today, you're not going to make it. It's no more putting it off not another moment today you make a decision today you decide it's either bail or it's the lord we don't have time simple altar call if there's some things that you need to cast off get into these altars today and throw them off and i mean throw them off get rid of every weight get rid of every sin because we're living in the days of Noah the night is far spent the day is at hand and you're not going to make it if you don't get rid of that thing going back to Friday night if you don't get rid of that thing we won't make it these altars are open come and cast it off this morning should be every one of us. There's a weight or there's a sin. You need to get down here and throw it off. We don't have time. We don't have that. God's not playing games today. We do not have time. Sing whatever y'all feel led. Lord, we throw it off. In the name of Jesus, we throw it off. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Morabasanda labakeya Rabasi. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Moranda masaya rabaki. Young people, come throw it off this morning. Don't let this thing choke out the light that's in your heart today. Moranda satalamaki. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Until now. Every head bowed in this room this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, I want you to let God search your heart. Take an honest look into your heart this morning. Are you where you need to be with Jesus today? If you're not where you need to be today, will you raise your hand? No one's looking around. No one's going to embarrass you. I see those hands today. I see that hand. Come on. Let God deal with you. Come on. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see the hand, brother. I know God's dealing with more in this house today. Anyone else? Today is the day of salvation. We will not put it off, not another day. We don't have the time. I'm going to ask everyone in the room today to raise your hands to the Lord as a sign of surrender. More well, raise your hands, surrender to Him. Surrender. Surrender. More right now, surrender. We're going to pray, but right now in your own heart, surrender to God. If you're saved, surrender again. He wants more of you. I surrender. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to repeat this prayer after me. You got to believe it in your heart. That's the only way things change. It's the only way things change. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I am sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for not taking it serious. I'm sorry for not surrendering at all. Today, I lay aside every weight and every sin that's been hindering my race. Today, I ask you to cleanse me of my sin and all unrighteousness. Today, I believe Jesus Christ He is the Son of God. I believe He died for my sins. But He was raised again so that I could have life also. Today I make Jesus the Savior of my soul. And I commit my life to Him. And I make Him Lord of everything. Today I can say, I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I give my whole life to Jesus. I lay it all down on His altar. Come on, worship Him for a moment in your own way. Worship Him. Can we sing, I surrender all? Just for a minute, I want you to listen to this song and give it all to Jesus today.